You are listening to a Hive Talk Live Stinger Buzz Buzz. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to another edition of the Saturday Sit-Down. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan weekend style. My sit-down today is a really good one. It's with one of the newest writers at At The Hive, and it's on a great subject. He wrote an amazing article about it. Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, the perfect match. It's, again, it's a must-read. It's one of the best uh, feature pieces I've seen on at the hive on SB Nation in a long time and and this is from a rookie. It's good. It's good that at the hive has some great rookie talent coming through. It's good that the Hornets have some great rookie talent and Frank Kaminsky starting to shine through. It's all happening at the same time. Do I think that's a coincidence? No, I do not. But we also have some other things to get to. There are some Hornets trade rumors happening with the Brooklyn Nets. This is very similar to last season and the Joe Johnson rumors that started up around this time. I don't think it will be the last time you hear Hornets trade rumors, but I'll dig into to that trade rumor a little bit, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, some of this, uh, some of these bad losses that the Hornets have sustained. They're now on a four-game losing streak as they look to tip off against the Los Angeles Clippers in Los Angeles at 3.30 p.m. Uh, today, Saturday. But first, I have a couple of things to tell you about. So we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, but we're expanding. It's exciting. We're going to do a Thursday show just like we did last season. It's called Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730. This is a big partnership for us, ESPN 7.30 a.m. right here in Uptown Charlotte. We will be recording this episode, these these Thursday episodes, in the ESPN 7.30 studios. My co-host will be Justin Thomas, who's been on the show a couple of times. He's from ESPN 7.30. He covers the Hornets for them, and it'll be a little different. Now, I'll, I'll say this. The Thursday show will be live, but it will be live from Blog Talk Radio, just like you hear the Tuesday show. There will there will be a post on atthehive.com, on hivetalklive.com, where you can listen to us live through Blog Talk Radio. But the show will be recorded in the ESPN 730 studios, and, and I think it's going to be a little different than what you hear on Tuesday. A little more focused on what the players are saying, what Steve Clifford is saying, and trying to delve into some of those narratives as opposed to the Tuesday show, which I, I think is more of a of our analysis of uh, statistical dives of and and fun stuff you know that we do on Tuesdays. I think Thursday will be more of a uh, taking the pulse of the players and the coach and and talking about what we think about that. And then, of course, we'll still do the Saturday sit-down, this little interview show, a, a good weekend fix of Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. So let's jump into this. The Hornets have gotten off the rails, and there are a couple of things going on. Obviously, the big one, injuries, but there is this sub thing happening where the Hornets, both on offense and defense, have not stopped communicating completely, but are certainly not communicating as well. And and it all culminated into this Phoenix loss, which if you listen to Tuesday's show, we said on that Tuesday show that if the Hornets lost to Phoenix, 
it would be a really, really, really bad loss because the Phoenix game, like the LA Lakers game before it, sort of, it was a diamond in the rough patch where you looked at that game and went, okay, this is where the Hornets can get back on track. But if they don't, it will be a bad loss. And I'll say this, bad losses, they don't come out of nowhere, I don't think. I don't think you just trip and fall into a really bad loss. Though there was a crazy amount of tripping and falling in that loss to Phoenix, I'll say that. Cody Zeller, Kimball Walker, none of these guys could stay on their feet. I don't know what was going on there in Phoenix. But before this four-game losing streak, we talked a lot about it on the show. The Hornets were generally regarded as a resilient team, a team that could rebound off of a loss. And I think the combination of injuries and the inevitability that certain shooting streaks had to come to an end or regress to the mean, as you'll often hear, you know, sort of come back to earth. The combination of all of that happening at the same time has, I think, led to some frustration. And you see that in that Phoenix game, Kimba upset about switches, PJ upset, and Chris Barnwall pointed this out in his article on miscommunication, PJ upset when he felt like help should have been there when it isn't. You see it a lot in the overhelping when PJ and Cody will both slash down to defend something at the rim. Brandon Knight recognizes it, throws it in the corner. PJ Tucker hits the corner of three. There's a lot of things going on right now. And again, they're all happening at the same time for the Hornets. And it's unfortunate. And it all comes at the same time that they go on a Western Conference road trip. And I know the Western Conference is obviously down this year, but it's still long travel. You know, it's still in a group of games where you're in uncomfortable confines. So it's whether the Western Conference is down or up, it's still going to be a difficult task for the team. And I think you're seeing all those things come together. But that's that's not necessarily an excuse because I think the big thing that we pointed out at the beginning of this year was that even with the MKG injury, this team had a lot of depth. And so you can't at one point say this team has a lot of depth and then really complain about the injuries or lay everything at the feet of injuries because at some points in the season you're going to have to rely on your depth and rely on the leaders that you have left on the team to stand up and play at a higher level that's the thing that's what you didn't see in Phoenix you didn't see the team recognizing hey we're without Nicholas Batum we're without Al Jefferson we need to respond. And it it cost Jeremy Lamb playing time when he didn't respond. Only played seven minutes before getting pulled. Did not play in the second half. Was not, he's got nagging injuries to his hip and his wrist, but Steve Clifford pointing out, hey, that's not why he was healthy. That's a message. Play hard or sit down. All right, we have to talk about Hornets trade rumors as well. The first one, the first legitimate one came down the wire. 
And I, I said it. It will not be the last one. I think the Hornets are going to be buyers in this trade market. I really do. Uh, but this name surprised me because it's not a name that I thought the Hornets would be looking to buy. And we don't know if they are necessarily aggressively pursuing this name. We don't know. The report from Sporting News says the Charlotte Hornets called the Brooklyn Nets about Boyan Bogdanovich. Yes, I did have to look up that pronunciation. Uh, this was part of a larger uh, point, this Sporting News report. This was part of a larger point that the Nets and Billy the King, oh, Billy, he's always looking to deal. They're looking to sell, finally admitting that they are in a rebuilding mode and apologizing to the three fans that still show up to their home games. So Boyan Bogdanovich, the Hornets, have called about uh, the first-year vet. He's a rookie last season, earned Rookie of the Month honors in April for his three-point shooting last season. I did ha- Again, I did have to look up that pronunciation. And while I was looking up that pronunciation, the, the NBA uh, media site has a pronunciation list that they release at the beginning of every year for just this kind of thing. And so I, you know, out of curiosity, I wanted to see who made the Charlotte Hornets pronunciation list. We have three players on that list, and I've already mispronounced the first one. I said Nicholas Batum. It's so easy, but it's actually Nicola Batum. The S is silent. The S is silent. Nicola Batum. Tyler Hansbro. And the pronunciation is Hans Bro, not Hans Bro or Bro, bro. not Hans Bro. I think that's the big mispronunciation, Hans Bro. It's Hans Bro. And it was the inspiration for David Walker's fantasy team name, Do You Even Hans Bro? And then finally, Spencer Hawes. And it's spelled, or the pronunciation is H A W W Z. Hawes, like Laws. Hawes. Those are the three names on the Charlotte Hornets pronunciation list, but the guy they're looking at in Brooklyn, or at least called about, is Boyan Bogdanovich. A couple of facts about Boyan. He speaks three languages. He's originally from Croatia, but he speaks Spanish, Croatian, and English. He's a big fan of Drazen Petrovic, the late Drazen Petrovic. He's uh, listed as Boyan's inspiration to start playing basketball. And the scouting report on Boyan is essentially, I mean, the Nets waited, what, two years to get this uh, uh, foreign foreign player into their, I think they drafted him and then had to wait two years to get him into their team. So his rookie year was last season. And he's a guy that he's big for his position. He's big, strong shooting guard. He has a variety of moves that he uses to get to the basket. He can finish very well. Uh, he's got nice touch. and But he, I think people thought he would be a better or at least more consistent three-point shooter than than he's shown so far. And again, he's only year he's been playing basketball a long time in in international leagues, but he's only a one-year NBA vet. So there's a lot of growth that can still happen. But he but he is a big dude for his shooting guard position, and so. He struggles a little bit against more athletic shooting guards. I watched uh, him defend 
DeMar DeRozan, and DeRozan could pretty easily get past, like fully past him on a drive uh, from the three-point line. So there are going to be those those struggles defensively. And I think three-point shooting, again, it's a consistency issue. He has the ability to knock down the three-point shot, but we've already seen in the month of January, he's had some 0 for 7s, 0 for 3 last night. So uh, there are some issues there. Now, is that connected with the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are a tire fire? I don't know. I mean, maybe a change of scenery for Boyan would work out in in Bogdanovich's favor. But so far, we just haven't seen that consistent three-point threat that I think a lot of people thought he could be. And maybe that was unfair. Maybe those were unfair, you know, scouting reports on him because, you know, he is such a good player offensively in terms of driving to the basket. And, And maybe he's sort of been shelved into a role of of a three-point specialist because he shot the three-point shot so well in the back half of his rookie year for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know. But the Hornets have made a call about him. We don't know when that call happened. We don't know if it's recently. And we certainly don't know what, if anything, they've offered the Brooklyn Nets or if it's just one of those testing the waters, hey, are you willing to part with this guy before we even talk about what we'd be willing to give up? Now, I've perused the SB Nation Nets boards, and they really want Jeremy Lin. They want him bad because Jared Jack obviously went down for the Brooklyn Nets, and so they are without a point guard. So there's an issue there. What do you give up for Boyan Bogdanovich and does he even fit? And the reason I said early in the segment that I was surprised was because I think if you asked a lot of Hornets fans who have endured this recent losing streak, what what do the Hornets need? It's rim protection. It's a big who can play defense or, or, or possibly some added playmaking in the small forward, power forward, center position. Is some added passing so when that when Nick Batum has to sit out for three games, the ball has some idea where it where it wants to go and has someone to facilitate, you know, making that happen. Because I think that's been a, a big problem in the offense is there hasn't been enough uh, facilita- facilitation of the basketball because you have Kimball Walker and Jeremy Lin both shoot first point guards both driving to the basket. And there just hasn't been enough. I mean, when Spencer Hawes wasn't playing, the ball just had no idea where to go against a good defense. They didn't play against Phoenix because of Spencer Hawes' bad defense. But Phoenix has a bad defense, so your offense is okay. I was looking at the numbers. The Hornets still have, somehow, still have a positive negative or net rating. So their offensive rating is still higher than their defensive rating, which I think on the year sits at 101. But if you look at the past five games, their defensive rating, take a breath, sit down, prepare yourself for this, 115. Past five games, Hornets defensive rating, 115. Ouch. I don't know if Boyan Bogdanovich helps that. I don't think he does. So I think if the Hornets bring in anyone, it has to be someone that can anchor this defense. The Hornets took a chance. 
the Hornets rolled the dice when they let Biombo go, didn't replace that rim protection, and hoped that the offense would be good enough and that players that were on the fence defensively would come around. And it hasn't happened with Jeremy Lamb. While P.J. Hairston has been good defensively, he's also at times made bad decisions with his fouling, which has taken him out of games. He's a question mark because once that happens, it sends domino effects. You have to replan your whole game. There's a lack of consistency with knowing what you're going to get from P.J. Harrison night to night. That's a problem. It's not necessarily that he's played bad or played well. It's just that you don't know night to night what you're getting out of one of your starting players. That's a problem. Okay, we have a great interview with, again, one of the newest writers to add the Hive. He's a rookie. But he has a ton of talent. His first article was amazing. We talk all about it. And speaking of name pronunciations, I asked him how to pronounce his last name. And he sent me this great clip uh, on YouTube. It's called Baseball Talk number 147. Uh, And so his name is Jack Bedrosian. And I just want to take a listen to this clip that he sent me. I'm Don Drysdale, and this is Baseball Talk. We'll talk baseball with Steve Bedrosian. Jack Bedrosian. I just love that he sent me that clip <laughs> to help pronounce his last name. But but clutch for for a media guy, it's perfect. You want to hear it because people can sort of spell it out phonetically, and that helps. But it's so much better to hear someone else say the name. Anyway. So I spoke with Jack Bedrosian, and we talked all about his article, which is called The Perfect Match, an homage to the improved complementary stylings of Nicholas Batum and Kimball Walker. And what I love most about this article is that he introduces the human element into the discussion about Kimball Walker and Nick Batum and the Hornets in general. And I think it's something that we miss a lot in, in talking about basketball. And we're guilty of it here on this show because we get into X's and O's and deep stats dive. Steep, deep stat. <clears throat> because we get into X's and O's and we get into deep stat dives. And I think we forget sometimes to examine what's going on or, or try to examine what's going on with the human aspect of the game because these guys they're they're young guys this team's pretty young and they have human successes and reactions to that success and they have human failures and they have reactions to those failures uh, both in the season and over a career span and, and Jack does a really great job of delving into some of that and so let's let's hear from him because it's a great it's a great interview so let's take a listen Look at uh, both of these guys. You can see very clearly the roles that they would play if they not if they just if they didn't care to improve, right? People have I mean, people have even been begging Kimba for years to just be 
this sort of like six man spark plug and bring off the bench, you know, uh, like Eddie house on the old Bobcats days. I don't know why that's my first reference that comes to mind, but you know, he's like an undersized shoot first guard. Traditionally, you would, that would just be your six man and you bring him when he's hot. Uh, and Kemba could have like easily done that without really improving that much from his days at Connecticut. And then Batum, and so, you know, Kemba's actually been improving, I think, year to year relatively consistently. Uh, Batum, you know, I haven't followed his career as closely uh, in Portland, but I, you know, he was never a guy that really scared you. He was sort of the third banana, but everyone looked at him. You know, the funny thing with Batum is you would, like, when he played for the, like, the French national team, he was really good. He was awesome. And uh, he always sort of wondered, obviously, he wasn't playing with, you know, the talent he is in the NBA. But you could always tell, like, this guy has more in the tank, but for whatever reason, he just hasn't wanted to, hasn't been in the right situation. And so, you know, I think coming here from afar, you know, obviously, it sort of seems like he's at least revitalized a little bit. I mean, at the beginning of the year, there were reports before he even became a Hornet that he was wanting to go to Toronto. And then, you know, now he's like playing at an all-star level, talking about being open to stay, you know, for seasons to come, and we'll see what happens with that. And look, there's nothing wrong with being a role player in the NBA. Totally fine. But it's nice as a fan of the team to see them have wanted to take that a step further. So, Jack, the title of your article is A Perfect Match, and among the many great things... In this article, you you bring up, you, you dig into the Bobcats Hornets archives and dig up two names, Boris Dial and Lance Stevenson. You write about them. If Charlotte fans squint and squish their faces hard enough, they will remember two players, Boris Dial and Lance Stevenson. One difficult to remember due to the passing of both time and belly fat, ding, the other because of a particular widespread fan-related kind of trauma-induced amnesia. Love that paragraph, but talk about these two guys, why you brought them up in the context of a, a perfect match, because certainly Kemba and Lance were not a perfect match. You know, that was the whole thing when Lance came in. They were like, oh, him and Kemba, you know, go way back to play. Like, I, I don't know if they were, I don't know if my years are right, but, you know, they knew each other from the New York high school and AAU scene, and sort of that was the, the thread that connected him with Kemba and he had those same attributes sort of just like, you know, this, this sort of tough minded guy who wouldn't back down from anyone, but that sort of displayed itself. Not in the most positive way. I think is a, is a good way to put it. And then, and then, you know, Boris, I mean, I guess him and Nick are both uh, French obviously, but, they also had a lot of similarities coming into the league, you know, just with their size and athleticism and versatility. And they've all, and they both, in fairness, you know, played better recently, but they've kind of gone in sort of different directions, at least with Batum this year, him becoming a lot more, uh, I guess, assertive, for lack of a better word. So, uh, yeah, it was fun to go back and think about those guys as Bobcat and Horn. Let's circle back and talk about the subjects of your article. Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, what have you seen this season 
that really inspired you to call them the perfect match for one another? Well, one, it's kind of nice. And I don't know, I guess between the season playing the two this year, so it's kind of looking at as this, you know, unit as the back, as our backcourt, as the Hornets backcourt. But uh, I think, you know, Batum, a lot of so a lot of Kemba's weaknesses, at least up until this year, for the majority of his career, he's not been a particularly uh, strong range shooter. Uh, his defense, you know, arguably due to his size, has not been, you know, one of his strengths. Uh, and Batum, I think, has that was coming in to the season. That was what he was good at. He's good at shooting threes. He was a good defender, and. I think probably the best thing, though, that which is not something that I mean, and Al didn't bring those two qualities to the table. Something that Batum uh, really, something that Batum has done really well with this year, which I think has just been awesome for all these sports fans watching these games, is that he. I don't know if he's passed first, but he certainly enjoys distributing the basketball in a way that I don't think Kemba. That's just not really Kemba's game which people give him, you know, a ton of crap for not being a pass first point guard, which is kind of weird given the league now where, I mean, I would say the best point guards are not pass first point guards. Uh, I mean, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Curry, and even a few years ago, I mean, Tony Parker hasn't been a pass first point guard his whole career, yet he's been the most successful arguably from a win uh, standpoint. So I think Kemba's, it has been fine, but we just needed to find the right sort of perimeter guy, or even a post player, to match him up with a guy that can't handle some of that uh, uh, facilitating of the ball. So I just think he sort of matches him really well in terms of his abilities and Kemba's abilities. Kemba Walker, throughout his career in the NBA, for whatever reason, has been a little bit of a lightning rod for criticism among his hometown fans, whether it's forcing up shots or taking too many shots or not passing the ball enough. It just seems like he's been the one to take the most criticism when the team is doing poorly. You've watched him since his Bobcats days and now into his Hornets days. Why do you think that is? Well, it's sort of come up in the past several games, right? I mean... That's a good question. I mean, I think it's because, well, you have like the idea, which I don't even know why we even still talk about it, but the traditional notion of what a point guard is, right? Maybe for whatever reason, people associate, you know, passing with being unselfish, which is true unless you're like, you know, Rajon Rondo or someone and you're getting these ridiculous, you know, assists that should be layups for you. But, uh, no, I, I think, um, I think the, the Bobcats and the Hornets were bad for a while. And Kemba was sort of the face of the team. And sort of, like, year after year. I mean, Kemba would shoot at a bad percentage, and the team would be bad. And so it was pretty easy just to say, like, well, he's a problem. He forces shots. He's a chucker. And, you know, Kemba forces a lot of shots. But I think you got to, you know, obviously look at who he's playing with. I mean, these past few games with uh, Batum being injured, an owl out, uh, you know, we sort of, the Hornets need Kemba to take those shots a lot of the times, uh, even if they're not, I guess, I, mean, I, I don't know if they are the best basketball play. It's like, you know, we have, 
I mean, maybe we can give it to Tyler Hansborough for like a closer jumper or Kemba forces a long mid range uh, shot or a three. I don't know. Um, I think just if, you know, if we were good, if, if the Hornets have been a playoff team these last few years, I'm not sure what it's seen the kind of criticism uh, that he has. And maybe people just haven't come around uh, to the style of play yet. But I think this one like the tune uh, that, that should, I think, help that perception. I think you make a great point there with the idea that he's not a traditional point guard and that rubs people the wrong way. And I think the same could be said for Nick Batum because Nick Batum is not a traditional shoot first, shoot only shooting guard. He's much more pass minded. He's much more move the ball minded than some shooting guards. But that seems to work for him in a way that Kimba's strengths don't work to deflect criticism and I think for Kimba it's it's about expectations like you can't expect him to suddenly become something he's not like Kimba has done a great job of improving his three-point shooting but he can't become a type of player that he's never had the mindset to be you know what I'm saying you're exactly right I mean like Kimba Walker uh you know given I mean, he, he is the player that he is, I and mean, we've seen him improve, but he's not going to become Chris Paul overnight, you know? And, but the thing is, he also doesn't need to. Like, it's, it's up to the front office to make sure that he's with players that bring out his strengths because there are plenty of them. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's like... And I don't think... You're, I, I definitely don't think he's going back to bad habits. I think he's going back to desperation strategy. Right. It's like he just he just knows he's the best player on the court. He's like, well, like me taking a lot of shots, some of them not great, is probably our best chance to win. And I bet you Kendall would prefer to not take those shots. Right? Like he wants to win too. Uh Cliff, I mean, he knows what, what, what are bad shots. I think I think it's just difficult with the personnel they have right now, but hopefully Hopefully the fans will give him a little leeway and see what he's dealing with, and hopefully the team can get back uh, sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about the Hornets' recent struggles. Obviously, they've been without Nick Batum, and injuries have played a role in the struggles that we've seen recently, but they were dealing with injuries early on in the season, and they, they seem to you know figure it out. <clears throat> Let's talk about the Hornets' recent struggles. Obviously, a lot's been said about injuries. Do you see anything else that Hornets fans should keep an eye on in terms of reasons that the Hornets have uh, uh, tripped and fell into 2016? I think it's the defense. Well, I think the Hornets started off this year like shooting really well, and I have no numbers in front of me to support that, but I think the casual fan... Even if you look them up, I mean, they, they were near the top of the league in three-point shooting this year, which is kind of insane if you think about watching these games the past two years where they were dreadful. Like, it, it was, like, hard to watch. And so this year they started, I think, with the new guys they brought in. I mean, Cliff wanted size and skill, and that's, like, exactly what he got. Uh, and with Haas and Batum and Frank, all these guys coming in, team was shooting really well and I think when you shoot that well it can be uh, I mean it can be a bit it can be a bit deceiving and maybe you don't play defense like you normally would I think 
uh, no one would say that we played the Horns have played defense like they've done uh, the past couple seasons. And I think now that those shots aren't falling, either because of injuries or because we just sort of regressed to the mean, um, we still have this sort of subpar defense that we've been playing that we've been able to get away with. And I think you're just seeing all great points. And I, I think, honestly, what's not been talked about enough is that I think there's a mental aspect to going through what the Hornets have gone through the past two years with whatever the expectations were, you definitely wanted to be a playoff team. And look, I think one aspect, Jack, that hasn't been talked about enough is the mental aspect of going through two straight seasons where injuries have decimated your team and really derailed you. And you hear Steve Clifford talk a lot about how injuries are a part of the NBA. And that is certainly the case. Every team deals with nagging injuries. You you rarely have your starting five for long stretches of NBA season. But at the same time, I think that the Hornets have sustained injuries to key pieces of their team for extended periods over the past two years. And I think if you're a leader on this team and you're carrying that burden and you want to see the team do well, there's a little bit of a a mental aspect that wears on you when it's like, and I think as a fan, it does. I, I look at the game and I'm like, man, when is this going to end? When can the Hornets finally you know, take a full-strength team into action for an extended period of time. It's not going to happen anytime soon, and I think that I think that's part of it. And I think that can manifest itself into poor play, loss of focus, poor energy on down the line. Yeah, and you know, I think along with what you said, sort of the, the mental side of that. You know, obviously. Al has not had his best year this year, but I think what maybe people don't think about a lot of the times, I think, I think Al and Kemba are like the two leaders on that team in like by far like in a big way. It, it, it seems like when you players talk about it, that they really respect those guys. And I think having Al hurt, uh, maybe the psyche of the team is not where it should be. And then I mean, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I mean, that's the guy who, that's exactly the guy you want to in sort of like, uh, you know, almost to a halfway mid, midpoint during the season or something a little bit. That's sort of the guy that you ex- would want and expect to sort of pick up the team, at least from the defensive standpoint. And both of those guys are sort of, you know, sidelined. And so I'm not sure uh, there's like the strong locker room voice that you would want maybe other than Kemba, who's sort of trying to write the ship. This has been a great conversation, Jack, but before I let you go, this has been a great conversation, Jack, but before I let you go, I have to talk about the title of your article, which I absolutely love, The Perfect Match, an homage to the improved complimentary stylings of Nicholas Batum and Kemba Walker. It's a long title. I don't think you see that in sports writing enough, the long title, it reminds me of some of the great long movie titles like Dr. Strangelove, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. How did you come up with this title? Uh, well, the title actually came near the end because I was sort of, 
I'd written this thing and I thought, you know, I felt all right about it, but I thought it was a little, a little different. And I was like, how am I going to sort of frame this? And like, I actually don't like coming up with titles. It's something I don't, it's, it's, I just feel like it's another thing you got to do. But, um, I sort of just thought like this sort of this article's about, you know, just sort of how these guys either feed off of each other on the court or off the court, just in like a thematic sense of how they play and who they are. Um, so I just wanted to make it something like that. And then I added in the little improved part because there's a decent bit about them just sort of, especially this season, you know, like really, I mean, at least, you know, they're small. To Torrance fans, we can tell that these guys are sort of picking it up in a way that maybe they had in years past, though. Great stuff there from Jack Bedrosian. Uh, you know, again, an amazing uh, asset to At The Hive this season. Go read his article, The Perfect Match, an homage to the improved complimentary stylings of Nicholas Batum and Kimba Walker. We're going to have much more on this uh, Clippers game that tips off at 3.30. We'll have much more on it on Tuesday. We're live again, 6 o'clock p.m. I've, I've got a couple of things. If you've stayed with this episode this long, I know you're a hardcore Hornets fan. We're giving away some tickets to our, our most loyal fans. And so if you've stuck with this, congratulations. If you go on Twitter and tweet Hive Talk Live with the hashtag Hardcore Hornets fan. That's hashtag Hardcore Hornets fan. Just tweet us anything. I don't care. Just make sure you have that hashtag. We'll get you qualified to win tickets to Hornets Jazz in Charlotte on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's January 18th. I believe that tip is at 2 o'clock p.m. So again, if you stuck with us this long, congratulations. Uh, you're you are a true hardcore Hornets fan. Go on Twitter right now at Hive Talk Live. Tweet us the hashtag Hardcore Hornets fan, and you will be automatically qualified to uh, win those tickets. So you get a head start. You get a jump start on everyone else because we haven't announced this on social media yet. Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN Seven Thirty. We'll start January twenty first. So not next week, but the next week. It's going to be amazing. We'll talk more about that uh, next week. We'll give you more details on that, but it's going to be a really good time. It's a really, you know, it's it's a tough time to be a Hornets fan right now because of the four-game losing streak, but you have to look at it at a macro level. This, this team still has accumulated a ton of talent. Nick Batum has been out. Hopefully he makes it back for this Los Angeles Clippers game. Right now he's still questionable, but I think with the news that MKG will be back much earlier than expected. This team has plenty, plenty of time to make a turnaround. Jack was very optimistic about the Hornets and, and a lot of people I talked to still optimistic this, that this team can, can write the ship. There's plenty of time to do that. Plenty of basketball left to play. Thanks for listening to the Saturday sit down. We're back again, again, Tuesday, six o'clock PM live. Until then, let's swarm Charlotte.
price with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.